Welcome everyone, we're about to begin Besashem BPJ number 69, that's Bias Panimi uh, joint shear, the men and women shear number 69. So we started to talk last year regarding a book, Marital Intimacy by Avram Peretz Friedman, and he brings down the question, why is a book on peer review of marital intimacy needed today? You had many generations of Tyra lived successfully, lived with authentic Jewish values, and they the seemed that they didn't need such books. Honestly, I am not so sure that they didn't. But he's asking the question. They didn't need it. Why is it different today? Why is it important today that you need books, Jewish Torah-based books on sexuality? And the answer is clear. The reason is because we are, our world is filled and preoccupied with sexuality. It's preoccupied with limitless ways of creating and indulging sexual passion. And so that is one reason. It's such a overindulgent type of a Ruach that permeates the world now that we need to make it clear what it really should be like. And even worse is the other way around. Because it's so steeped into sexuality in unhealthy ways, a person that's an Erlichiyid gets a, like sort of a message in his head that the whole concept of sexuality is evil. And it's connected then to feelings of worthlessness and of guilt and shame when it's felt in a yid. Another problem is, it's a lemaisa. You have technological advantages, whether it's radio, then film, then television, and now internet, smartphones, social media, connects the world now as it never did before. And therefore, every Jew in Jew, every Jewish community cannot be insulated from this constant barrage from the outside world. Now, there's some kahillas, some communities that for the most part were successful to shut it out. But in most cases, even them, it's not shaykh to fully do. And therefore, what happened is, is our Jewish community absorbed a lot of these confusing notions about what the true healthy hashkafa is regarding sexuality. See, the Rambam brings down in Hilchas Deus the influence of our culture on us. He says in Hilchas Deus, Parak Aleph, that it's normal to be influenced by one's neighbors and associates. And he said that if a person, and a person should always connect to righteous people, the wise people, Chachamim, but if someone lives in a country where the customs are evil, and the inhabitants are doing the wrong things, he has to leave that place and go to a place that where there are righteous people. And if everyone is evil, he has to seclude himself. He has to withdraw even in caves, even in deserts, to stay away from them. Now the problem here is, is the world got smaller. So in a way, the Rambam's case is really like every country is evil, meaning that we're exposed to it through the internet and so on. 
So we need to run away from that. Run away from the newspapers, magazine headlines, articles, ads, editorials, billboards, bus stop promotions, television commercials, and and the internet where they place a single-minded concept of sexual indulgence. So that's why it confuses a lot of people here. And it used to be, hopefully, you know, in most cases, where parents gave it over to children in a, in a very quiet, sneeistical way. But that influence has stopped now. Now, he brings down an, a, 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 a tremendous insight from, it's, he says here the source is Midrachei Yosef, but it's brought in Sefer Kedusha. Sefer Kedusha was a uh, Sefer written by Rav Chaim Vital, the Talmud of the Arizal, chapter 3, letter 17, Oisiyot Zion, in Paragimel. And he says as following, he says, there are young people who do not know how to observe the mitzvah of Aina, because to our great sorrow and distress, in our times, our times meant, by the way, the 1500s, the inner bond between father and son, mother and daughter, have been sundered, meaning had been weakened or broken, and the matter of intimacy and knowledge of the private matters that transpire between a husband and a wife, which in previous generations were transmitted from father to son and from mother to daughter with a love, are in our generation picked up and absorbed from the impure street and from other abominable sources, Hashem Yishmerenu. So even then, you saw that that was a phenomenon. The Messiah of parent-child, father-to-son, mother-to-daughter, teaching what healthy sexuality is, was broken, and we're influenced by the outside streets. Another problem we have here is, is that if you just seem to understand Torah in a superficial level, you will come to believe that when the Torah restricts certain sexual activity, they jump to the conclusion that the Torah is against sexuality. They are against sexuality. That's what way they believe when they hear, because you read, you know, read the end of Ahrei Mois, read the end of Kedoshim, and, and, you know, the, 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 the Gile Arayis, and, 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 and the Mayim Bum, and don't be metami yourself, right? And, 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 and it's a Toyeva in some cases. So, you see how the Torah rails against Gili Arayis, against immorality. So what happens is, is they put into their head, Torah hates sexuality, period. And they make a choice to remain ignorant of the true Torah viewpoint because they're afraid that this Torah knowledge will hold back their Enjoyment, meaning the people who believe that Torah is against sexuality, then they choose, I don't want to know about certain aspects of Torah because I need and want sexuality in my life. And they think that with you, the more Torah you know, the less you'll enjoy your sexual life. And as he's going to explain in the book, the opposite is true. The more you are aware of Torah values, the more you're going to truly enjoy your sexual life with your husband or with your wife. It'll enhance even the physical pleasure of it, as he's going to explain. Therefore, he says, we have a chiv to teach our children, according to the principles that of Torah values early on, and so that they should not 
before they're exposed to the foreign destructive ideas. So the bad attitudes learn because of our neglect, because we didn't teach them properly, and they learned it from the streets, will distort the minds and hearts of our children. It'll make their attitude towards marital intimacy crumb, destructive for a lifetime if they're not taught the right way. And one of the greatest gifts you could give to your children as a matana is to teach them the true holy vision of what marital intimacy is supposed to be like, not corrupted by the outside non-Taira view. And that is very important. There's a neglect these days of promoting the healthy aspects of sexuality. Brought down, you know, when you're young, it's like ink written on fresh paper. Now, I'm not saying that you teach them before they're ready to hear these things. Obviously, it has to be the right maturity level of each child according to its capacity. But certainly when a, when a person, a boy becomes, or a girl becomes 12, thir- well, by a girl earlier, boy, 13, 14, 15, there's no question they're experiencing already these urges, just simply natural nature. So you need to educate them to a certain level even then. And it is a tremendous mitzvah. Don't wait to educate your children when they are old. It brings down in, it's called, it brings a source, Das Kedusha Laramban. You have to, while their souls are still pure, untainted, they didn't taste immorality yet, the parents should educate them in regards to the Torah and put these Yisaitis into their hearts. And as we explained before, doesn't mean you talk to them about explicit aspects of the sexual um, you know, activity. You don't need to do that. There's no reason for it that could trigger and so on and so forth. But the overall concept they know already once puberty hits and they need to be told and they need to be told the right way. It's also important to teach, for example, the conduct of the wedding night, not just the wedding night, but the whole context of it in married life. And here, it's, 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 if, you're, if you're ashamed as a parent to convey this, that's a foolish shame. Why? Because when father, they have to be trained right. Obviously, they have to have the right hashkafas themselves. But if they're trained right and the fathers and mothers have the right hashkafas themselves, shame and holding back from conveying this to your children is foolish. Because by holding it back because of your shame or uncomfortableness discussing these subjects, it causes your sons and your daughters to face many obstacles when they neglect their chiv and they cover it up in shame when you need to be mavararit. In the midst of tefillin, you see the father stand by his son and guide him and educate him and in all aspects of that mitzvah, of how to put on the, the, the shalyad and the shalraish and the ritzuais and so on and so forth. So if by tefillin we're so medactic with this, all the more so in the mitzvah of aina and pruvu, on which the entire holiness of the Jewish people is based on that, dependent on that. Future generations are dependent on that. What should a son do in order not to sin if he doesn't know the proper and correct hashkafa on these matters? And then these fathers cause 
tsar to their children because it brings them to hate because of their ignorance of Torah law. They need to know that they'll have this sexual expression in a healthy way when they're married. And I'm and and, and yes, it's true the Chazal say that paspasaloi, meaning that you're comfortable paspasaloi, that you have it in your hands, and it, it decreases the yetsahara when you know you have that ability is only when you're married. In other words, when a person is married, even in the nida period, the sexual urge is not so strong anymore because he knows he has an outlet. Not this minute, but he's married, and after the nida period, six months after the, or or two to four, three months, whatever it is, after a child is born, he'll resume marital intimacy. It's not, it's not like endless. So that's called paspasalai. But a single person, it's less paspasalai, no question. You can't deny that because he doesn't have that outlet in a mutadika way. But there is also a certain level of paspasalai, even for an unmarried person, if they are told and explained, again, not explicitly, but simply the concept that, now you're a bacher and you have to put your mind away from these things. But as a wife, as a husband, you will get to this point when you're married and you'll experience this in a wonderful way, the way the Torah wants it, and you'll have this in your life. It, many, many cases, just calms the boy and girl down, recognizing, I feel all this sexuality, I feel these feelings. It's not for naught, it's going to be used later. I could put my mind now off it because I know I'll have it at some point in time when I get married. So it's very, very important. Then to talk about just general, what is the Torah perspective on physical pleasures and on enjoying physical pleasures? We need to understand that also. Most religious systems, Christianity, the original Catholic Christianity, disdained and made fun of the physical and preached that the soul achieves its shlemus by denying the animalistic body. In other words, physical pleasures seduces a person away from spirituality. They claim that kedusha, holiness, is when you withdraw from all physical pleasures. Klal, the Torah, does not hold this way. It does not subscribe to this concept that you have to deny pleasures to be an Erlich Yid. It does not say that it is an irrit- you know, that you can't have a, a union, a healthy partnership between the physical and the spiritual. The Torah generally rejects this philosophy. The Torah generally re- says, basically, that Hashem's kavana is that the physical becomes a siyua, a help, and it becomes niskadesh, it becomes holy. When you connect it with the spiritual, then the physical and the physical enjoyments have a tremendous tachlis in and of itself. And you may see in some svarim that it's not like that, and some people that want to pick the, choose the path of precious in certain areas, there is a legitimate mahalach sometimes for that. But generally speaking, this is not the mahalach the Torah wants you to keep or wants you to observe. He wants you to have a chilek in the physical. I remember once the mashkiach, Rav Wolfson, said that this is the reason why it's brought down that a non-Jew, if he wants to bring a nedava, a donation as a carbon, 
he's allowed to, and we accept it from him, but only a carbon oila, not a carbon shlamim. Because you could be menadev, you could donate a carbon oila or a carbon shlamim. The difference between a carbon oila and carbon shlamim is that a carbon oila is totally burnt on the mezbeach. Nothing is eaten by the owners. While a carbon shlamim, some parts, the imurim, are brought up on the mezbeach, but then the kaihanim eat some of the meat and the owners eat some of the meat. And Wolfson said a beautiful insight. He says the reason why a guy, when he brings a carbon, has to bring a carbon oila is because the oila is totally burnt on the mezbeach. The whole thing comes goes to Hashem because in a guy's mind, the only way he is Bikadusha, if a guy wants to get close to holiness, he has to separate from the physical world. Because there's a coarseness there and he needs to f- separate from it, which represents an oila that's totally burnt on the Mizbeach. It's total spirituality. While a Jew, his Kedusha, is not just what goes up on the Mizbeach, but even in the physical pleasures of what he eats. He could eat the Kedusha. He could drink with a holiness. And therefore, Shlomim, a guy can't bring because that concept is foreign to him. That Kedusha could come, not just from what is brought up on the Mizbeach, but from what you're eating and drinking, the Kahanim and the owners, that's hard for a guy to comprehend. So you see that even though in the levels of Karbanis, by the way, the oil is a higher level, it's Kaidesh Kadashim, it's Holy of Holies, while Shlomim, the peace offering is called Kachim Kalim, generally, that it's that it's a lower level of Kedusha. But that's in one aspect. But in, the, in another aspect, Shlomim has a higher level to it, even though it's Kachim Kalim, because only a Yid can bring a Karman Shlomim as an Adava. A guy cannot, while a Oila, even a guy can bring it, for this reason that we just said. Because by a Yid, the healthy perspective is that enjoyment of physical pleasures is not banned by the Torah. You don't always, yes, you have a Yetzirah, so sometimes, yes, your physical, your soul has to overcome the desires of your body when it's going the wrong way. But there is still the concept where Hashem wants them to get along together, where they're both together serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where they're both together united in doing the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And part of the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to use your physical body as a vehicle for Torah and Mitzvahs, but also because He wants you to enjoy even this world. As we're going to explain, Be'ezus Hashem, in future shiurim. Baruch and